Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We'll See You in Hell. This week, we'll be reviewing Justice League. So, I guess we'll get on with the show. And also, on with the Joe... Was that down with the sickness? Down with the sickness. Well, I like that quite a bit. Uh, Can we start a thing where every for the next couple episodes you do a thing where you incorporate some old shitty pop song into the thing? I'll I'll try. Sure. You know? I don't know why you think that was a shitty song. Ooh, did you uh, Did you like the down with the sickness? Absolutely not. Uh, it's a terrible song. I will say I saw was this it disturbed. Yeah, yeah, and I saw Disturbed once at Ozfest. Okay, was Drowning Pool on the bill? Um, Let the parties hit I the floor. I think it was. Let the parties hit the floor. Let the I like that song. Yeah, it's a good song. That I was like good. that song. Uh, that was good. I think it was literally the year that guy died, so they weren't there. Did he drown in a pool? <laughs> no, folks. No, he drowned in a little pool i call addiction pet oh well i think i think it was a drug over i think well, i don't even know if that's true i've been known to dip my toe in those waters <laughs> what choppy waters. choppy choppy waters uh i um uh, but i saw disturbed and i didn't like their music but they did do a cover of land of confusion by genesis and i thought that was pretty cool I hate that song you hate that song i hate genesis i don't why well, I mean, one of my early cassettes was the shit Genesis that I'm sure you don't like with the we can't, I, I can't dance on it. Oh. I can't dance. I got a curveball to throw you here. I do like that album. Oh, it, no, it was not, not a bad album. But I figured you liked the prog shit, which I admittedly have not heard. Uh, but I actually, the one with the, uh, the president's foam masks in the video. Yeah. Yeah, that song sucks. You're nuts. Video sucks, too, while we're at it. <laughs> sort of garbage pale kid no you know that was a tv show that was a popular tv show back then called spitting image okay and it was like puppets that looked like deformed versions of the celebrities yeah and then like impersonators they would do sketches with the puppets it was kind of a precursor to your crank yankers kind of a thing sure uh i actually prefer you look at a guy like me and you say this man's a tastemaker he probably don't put words in my mouth. He probably uh, don't put anything in my mouth, <laughs> folks, folks. He probably likes the early stuff, the Peter right. Gabriel. Uh, I don't the Genesis I, of Genesis, if you will. Yeah, sure. There you go. I uh, I I actually prefer the Phil Collins stuff, and only the later Phil Collins stuff. You prefer solo Collins? No, no, no. The Phil Collins Genesis oh, after okay. Gabriel's gone, and only the later portion of that. I prefer self-titled Genesis album forward all right i'll easily put solo collins over any genesis actually abacab forward I'm you sorry. like solo collins no, oh come on you, did you say you put it over gen you haven't heard the right gen have you heard, no like, i haven't i have abacab heard. and like no i haven't that's all and you mean that's all yeah looking at you you yeah. looking at yeah that's a good song i would have thought that was solo collins no that's right in the you're right in the sweet spot right there okay. that's no, that's like right that around susudio <laughs> yeah where it's interchangeable for one or two albums susudio's collins that's solo collins yeah. billy don't lose my number is solo collins i consider easy lover one of the best songs of all time it at one point in so my that's life the silkiest song <laughs> At one point in my life, it was my favorite song that had ever been written. It's great. And it's a, it's a great showcase for Philip Bailey, who really steals the track. Yeah. the uh, I saw Phil Collins. The second concert I ever saw was Phil Collins at the Civic Center in okay. uh, or at the Spectrum in Philly. And he, uh, the whole first, it was two acts. It was a show in two acts. Whole first act. Oh, Christ, it was terrible. It was just all his homeless ballads. That was the whole first act. Right. I mean, he wouldn't lay off of the shit. Just another day for you and me in paradise. I mean, I'm not joking, dude. It was a whole fucking first act of ballads. And then the second act, he came out swinging. Sue Studio, sure. Billy Don't Lose My Number. Got a black guy to come out of the wings to sing oh, the boy. Philip Bailey part for oh, Easy Lover. Bailey. I don't think Philip Bailey from uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire was just sitting around in the wigs waiting <laughs> well, to go could have on. opened and then come out and done a track together. I don't think they opened. She's the kind of girl you dreamed of. Yeah, that's a great tune, man. Beautiful. Crazy drums, too. Yeah. If you heard... Well, if he's you, a great drummer. 
Yeah, but if you listen to the just the drum track from that song, like just the drums, you cut out everything else. It sound they sound like fucking like heavy metal. It's, it sounds yeah. like a heavy metal track. I love that song. It's it's amazing yeah. song. Um, the so we had the one homeless. So, I actually really hate that shit when super rich people do that. Those ballads. So like another day for you and me in paradise. There's so much wrong with that song. So Phil Collins probably has a hundred million dollars minimum, bare minimum. <laughs> He's saying it's another day for you, Joe, and me, Phil Collins, <laughs> in paradise, as if we're on an equal plane. So if you want to get us all on an equal plane, why don't you give $99 million to the homeless and then throw me five hundred grand? Like, what are you talking about? Right. Well, I think what his point is, is anything off these streets is paradise. Yeah, I get it. I just don't like the comparison it makes. And I, I, I hope he donated a lot of money to the homeless if he's going to put that song out. Something tells me he didn't. Yeah. I mean, I've never I, heard I, of it. I mean, I don't know. I you agree. Know? But uh, now the other one I hate, especially once it gets to be Christmas, and I occasionally I'll throw on the Christmas station trying to jumpstart my heart with those uh, paddles. Kickstart my heart, as Motley Crue Whoa, used to sing. Yeah, that song. That song's awesome. Kickstart my heart is one of the greatest songs ever. Written. Yeah, and I hate Motley Crue, but that is an amazing. Song. I'm not a. Song. I'm not a huge Motley Crue fan, but that song is awesome. And that song, I used to wake made up to the movie Shoot 'Em Up look so good. I was so just about good. to say it, but I thought it was too obscure to get into. <laughs> I saw that movie because it was in the trailer. The trailer used Kickstart My Heart in a beautiful way, and the movie sucked. Terrible movie. Giamatti couldn't save. Giam Giamatti. <laughs> Uh, children of men, and they couldn't put together a movie. Look, kickstart my heart, Clive you had Owen. All you needed, Clive Owen. That's right. I don't know what happened. Something happened. Something went bad. He I hasn't mean, been in anything watchable in ten years. He's another. Oh, I love the Nick actually on Stars. That was yeah. a great, great show. Gone too soon. But Clive Owen and Gerard Butler. It's the same story. It's like what happened to you guys? You guys were supposed to be like the guys. Owen's way better than Butler. Way uh, better actor. I well, I mean, look, Butler played the Phantom of the Opera. He played a <laughs> he okay, but, good example, Joe. I, well, I'll move back. But when you put it back to back with the with the three hundred guy, that's like ah, Sparta. <laughs> it's a big. It's that's a big difference. Yeah, but Owen's like a good fucking actor. He's been great in many things. Closer, uh, Closer's a great fucking movie, and he steals that movie. He is awesome in that. He's disturbing in that film. Yeah, love that movie. Oh disturbing that's the key word for when we get to the movie corner i have to because that's my remember so i can remember what i watched should i scream for it like peewee's uh playhouse when we get to the word disturbing yes okay. yeah yeah um but what i was gonna say so i i hate those sort of preachy songs from people that you know are probably not doing anything and my least favorite for the, the christmas season so you have to hear it a lot every year i hated it when i was a kid up till now because it used to bum me out so much so this is christmas Oh yeah, and what have you Look, done? What have what have you done? That's how you're starting listen, your Christmas song. Listen, that's I don't need more guilt. John Lennon can go <laughs> fuck my dick. Yeah, in midair. Yeah, I fucking hate John Lennon. I wrote one of my penthouse articles was about how world peace is like a it's it's just it's a, it's fake. It's not yeah. a thing that can ever exist. Yet everybody goes, we need world peace. Right, and I shit all over that fucking give peace a chance. Yeah. Uh, song uh, and I was like I was like this fucking guy like he's so rich his his protest to war was I'm going to live in this like five star hotel with my wife right for a month it's like go oh, fuck all fuck day. yourself uh, he he sucks my favorite songwriter uh, Elvis Costello uh, has this great song called the other side of summer and the first love line, that song first line is uh, wasn't it a millionaire who said imagine no possessions Woo! <laughs> that's not the first line, but yeah, it's a great line in that song. That's that is in his uh, dark divorce alcoholic days, and it's it's one of his worst albums. But it's some of his nastiest lyrics. He had a bass player who wrote like a tell-all book about his time in the band, <laughs> and he wrote this entire song that's a fuck you to this guy that like no one knows but him, called "How to Be Dumb." Uh, and it's like this guy like wrote the book "How to Be Dumb." And that's also the movie, I mean, the album where he looked like John Lennon. He looked terrible. Yeah. He, looked, he came up with the long hair and the glasses. Yeah. The Mighty Like a Rose was the name Mighty of that like record. Mighty Like a Rose. That's one of my least favorites, but the lyrics are like just so awfully mean. <laughs> and I I like that, but the songs are like unlistenable. Some of the, I like ones. Other Side of Summer. That that's was a, that's a great song, yes. That album was preceded by Spike. 
Spike sucks too. Spike's a terrible album, but Veronica is in a contender for my favorite Elvis Costello song. That's right. That's right. I, that I don't, song is I don't awesome. have time to really get into Costello, but I mean the man's first four albums are uh, unstoppable if you want a place to start. And uh Yeah. I, I could I could go much deeper with you. I'm a huge fan of the man. Well, if we're not going to celebrate Elvis Costello, let me celebrate somebody else. Go for it. Our dear friend Karen Kilgariff. I talked oh. to her today on the phone. Hi, Karen. Uh, Karen had such nice things to say about the podcast and how much she loves when we bicker. Thanks, Karen. Uh, and uh, I told her it very meant, meant very much to, to both of us to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and I said, where do you fall? On the hog house argument. <laughs> I know Karen liked hog house. And she immediately laughed. Now, I can't remember if she said she liked it or not, but I know she did like that it made you aggravated. Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, so she gave me a suggestion for something new. Okay. Instead of hog house. Let me hear it. She said Pat might find this less offensive. Uh, we're coming to you live from the house of thick, uncut dick. <laughs> And then, uh, and then she said, "A oh, lady voice would go, ooh, ooh." But yeah, then, that's pretty good. But then I said, "There st- should still be the Tim Allen pig noise after that thick, uncut oh, dick." Oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's way worse. I'll tell you that. And uh, I think we're going to see Karen Kilgariff's name in Deadline for this uh, harassment. <laughs> frankly, talking to me about thick, uncut dicks, Jesus. Uh, just to call back to last week's episode, and because I talked to Karen about it today on the phone, I said, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard this one yet, and she had, and I just want to share a nice memory with you, Pat. Okay. The, 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 I've never gone back and listened to our own episodes, ever. Right. Ever. Right. Last week was the first and only time I've ever gone back, and I didn't listen to the whole thing. I just listened to the segment where we talked about Perfect Strangers, and I said, I think that's the hardest I've ever laughed with my friend Pat. I mean, we were when we really, talked about the hatchet thing, the hatchet yeah. thing, <laughs> and you that screamed, "That's week. pathetic!" <laughs> well, yeah, and I remembered it so clearly. That's what. That's why I was laughing, like because it's such a terrible, like late and late in the run sitcom plot. I was loving it, but then like. In mid laugh, I just I saw it. I remembered the cliff. I remembered everything, <laughs> and it took me to a real nice place. Uh, anyway, just speaking of to, nice places, yeah. uh, how about we pop over to Pat's movie corner? Are you aware of how buttery smooth the transitions on this show are? <laughs> buttery smooth. He asked Joe to make a transition. It's like, oh, the n- next scary uh, Joe stuff. I don't know why you have to come after me. Sorry, I'm not high all the time like you. <laughs> I'm not high. I, well, came I mean, from it, work. it remains. I can't tell the difference anymore. You're under the influence so frequently. I can't oh, tell give me the a damn break. Oh, come on. I'm kidding. Jesus Christ. I'm kidding. I saw you taking sips out of your flask during the movie. You got Joe, a problem. Joe, I'd like our listeners to know there is nothing in me but water. <laughs> like, if you're going to tell them every time we have a drink, you don't also have to tell them we're drinking when we're not. I know. I'm kidding. I'm just making People jokes because you took that, that shot at me about the transitions. No. Yeah, about you transitioning? <laughs> <laughs> yes, about me transition. All um, right, go ahead. Okay. What's the first movie you saw this week? Pat's Movie Corner. I saw a lot of films, guys, because we're heading into screener season. And uh, first, well, if actually, The Shape of Water, the new Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, you saw that already? I did, but we could probably do that on the pod. So I we won't, should. I won't go into it. You we should. That's it, and then we'll talk. one I look forward to reviewing. All right. Well, if you want to see a woman fuck a fish, that's a good place to start. Either that or Joe's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you the fish or are you I'm have the a woman? fish? Okay. Or yeah, the woman. I, I'm the slimy fish. Uh, I saw The Disaster Artist, uh, James Franco's retelling of The Making of the Room, considered the worst movie of our time, uh, written by, and nobody is mentioning this, the guys who wrote 500 Days of Summer, which I thought was a really great movie. I love that movie. And uh, this is a really, really great script as well. And it, it's just this weird thing in Hollywood where like people will talk about a movie. This movie has so much fucking hype. I've never heard the writers mentioned once. And they're big writers. I was like, oh, cool. 
The writer's the least respected man in Hollywood. I always say it. No respect at all. Um, anyway, The Disaster Artist, I loved it. It's extremely funny. And at times, just because I have, you know, like people talk about, you know, bitch about Christopher Guest for this too. There's an air of mocking people that sometimes I don't love. Right. I can't help but feel bad for the person in question. But because the guy, what is the guy's name? Jesus Christ. James Franco. No, 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 no. The, the room. Seth guy. Rogen. The, the guy, the room, the, the actor. Dave Franco. Jesus Christ. I don't know. The actor in the movie The Room. Kitty Dukakis. I, I can't remember her name. His name. I don't know. I, who cares? All right. Well, anyway, he's such a outlandish and at times hateable character that I didn't mind it. But it's really funny. It's kind of got its own sort of weird vibe to it. Franco is very, very good in it, as he can be from time to time. Now, is it a, is it a strange sort of celebration of the guy? Is it endearing in a way where it's kind of like this guy had a dream and he went for it and he did it? Or is yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, they, they get there. It's still. I'd you know, imagine. Yeah. To- Tommy Wiseau is his name. I, I, I looked it up and then remembered it. But uh, it, it's very entertaining. And like every single part down to the tiniest part is filled by like some cool comedy person. Uh, it's a good movie. And there's a lengthy scene early on at You're in My Diner, the Astro Diner, right here in uh, Atwater. The Astro Diner. I love the Astro Diner. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. All right. Great. Well, I got to see that. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, disturbing. Just, uh... I, I saw uh, the documentary Rocco. Rocco's Modern Life? <laughs> Not quite <laughs> all right i saw the documentary rocco about rocco soffredi the very famous italian porn I'm star with rocco soffredi uh where was it on netflix it's on netflix okay no it's not an easy ride people i really? thought this thing was going to kind of just be like sort of a fun romp through the porn world of in of europe or whatever <laughs> you it's know not, how many people have a fun romp through the world of porn it is a deep 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 twisted tale of a man with a serious sex addiction okay. uh many times in the film he does things i find uh questionable at best well his uh, pornography from my from my heavy viewing days um of college and so forth he was always like way more aggressive than i was necessarily comfortable with He's very aggressive. He tells a story at one point when his mom died, and he's weeping about how his mom died when he was yeah. a teenager, I guess. And he said uh, his mom's friend, who was like 60, like is like comforting comforting him. Like okay. Old, like I, 60 might even be too young. Like she's like an older woman, like older, older right. woman. And uh, he said... Uh, tells a story where he's like, he's like, I overcome, uh, overcome with sexual intensity and i whip my penis out and i put it in her mouth and i i come in three seconds and i run out because i feel terrible and mortified holy and you're like cow. he just you just tell a story about assaulting a 65 year old lady yeah and he's telling it just like and it's weird because it's made by it's made by italian i think italian filmmakers at least european filmmakers so they have a very, as far as I can tell, very different approach to documentary. They don't spin any part of it to be like, here's how you should feel. They just kind of let it sit there on camera, which made it more disturbing for me right. to watch. It's a heavy flick, dude. He's got two kids. He's got a wife. His wife has, he's, she gives him the total blessing to do porn. Do they? Is there pornography in the movie? Uh, you, see, you see them shooting, but you don't see like insertion or anything like that. Dong. You see, the opening shot is his dick, is a close-up of his dick, okay. um, literally. Um, but there's a scene with his two sons where he's like, he's like, his one son is like, I'm very proud to call you my father. I love you. And he's like, starts crying. <laughs> uh, but then his other son isn't saying anything. And he's like, you judge, I can tell. You judge, you don't like what daddy does, you know. Yeah. It's an upsetting film. It's, it sounds like it. <laughs> every every part of it upset me, um, but 
it was it was interesting in a in a very morbid way to see what somebody who makes that kind of cinema i guess you could call it uh, for a living is actually like off camera like what is this guy's thing and it's 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 disturbing but then he's got friends that are feminists it's, it, was, it was i was confused i didn't understand quite well it's that thing with that guy who got into trouble the one porn star that was in uh that lohan movie what's the guy's name oh he's in it james dean james dean <laughs> he's in it he's yeah in it. Wait, i mean he's he got in trouble he's clearly like a, an acolyte of his like he he's way too rough and it gets weird sometimes and then these women started coming out and being like yeah, some of that was not authorized, and some of that was not on the menu, and sometimes he would choke me, and it got too too real. Well, Rocco seems to do a very, and they show this throughout the film, a very intense interview before they shoot. Right. Where he'll be like, "What? what is what is okay? And the girl will go, anything. And he goes, what does this mean, anything? anything. So I, I, I liked that he at least did that. Sure. But again, you can't. It's hard to get past the sixty-five-year-old. No, I, I'm story. not past it. Yeah, it's you can't really get past it. It's a it's a disturbing film. It's okay. a disturbing film. I'll it's probably not watch it. To, why? I mean, why? It's 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 interesting, but again, it's morbidly interesting. Right. Uh, I saw three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's very violent. Yeah, it's pretty violent. Um, Hell of a cast. Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell. Um, just everybody in it is good. Woody Harrelson's awesome in it. Um, the kid from Manchester by the Sea. The funny kid. The like the kid kid? The yeah. main kid? Who's Peter Hedges' son. Peter Hedges, author of my favorite book, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Also a very good movie, of course. Um, that lady just died. Who? The mom. From Gilbert Grape. Yes, mom. that's correct. That's very correct. sad. Uh, it also has Max Mom in it, the lady with the buzz cut. You know, a wonderful actress as Sam Rockwell's mom. She's a great. It's actress. always sunny in Philadelphia's. Yes, Mac, yeah. his mom, I, Sandy, Sandy. I don't know her last. I see her all the time, and we had the same vet in Echo Park. Okay, and I'd see her in there, and I was always too nervous to say, "You're Max Mom." Oh, she would have loved that. That kind of actor always loves it because yeah. they don't get it very often. She's also and, the grandma in Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. Yeah. But on the uh, box, it says, for your consideration, and it lists everyone in the entire cast except her, including people with, like, two lines. And she's has a sizable role as Rockwell's mom and is really great in it. And I felt I found that offensive. Some of these... Some of these... I'm glad you brought it up, because some of these, for your considerations, are... it's yeah. They're offensive. They they really they're, swing for they're it. offensive. Don't yeah. send me Logan as an Oscar screener. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. I know. I you know, know Hugh Jackman. We got best split actor. as an Oscar screener. I'll I'll take that before Logan. I thought Logan was a better movie than Split. Uh, you know, I but I get I get I, why they might drum up something for that guy playing three roles or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was a fantastic movie, but yeah. I liked it. Um, uh, the, th the three billboards. It had, it had the best trailer in five years. Like, I couldn't wait to see it. And it's good. It's very entertaining. Martin McDonough, the guy who did in Bruges. It also has Peter Dinklage. Um, the, It has such, so many big tonal swings and misses. And, like, the whole movie is, is McDormand trying to get justice for her daughter who was burned alive and while being burned alive was raped and she's putting up billboards in the town like Wait, how did they rape her while she was burning up like they they were they killed her then raped her then lit her body on oh, fire god jesus christ so she's putting on these billboards i want justice for my daughter why don't you guys do anything for my daughter whatever and in a movie like this where where that is the setup they also have scenes where Sam Rockwell is like dancing like he did in Charlie's Angels while listening to ABBA on headphones. I uh, I love nothing more than Rockwell dancing in anything. He does it in uh, in uh, Matchstick Men. I love when he dances. This, but it's not. You see, you see what my issue is here, Joe. And then that this is not the movie for dancing. No, and then like they're marketing the goddamn thing like a comedy. It's well, and it. I admire it, what it kind of what it goes for, but for me, the transitions were too much. Then at one point, somebody is like thrown out of a, a building 
and like no one in the town cares or notices. Like it's this is in the trailer. I'm not spoiling. I think McDormand goes, "Who threw that can at me?" And this 13 year old girl goes, or 13 year old guy goes, "I don't know." She kicks him as hard as she can in the nuts. Then the girl next to him goes, "I don't know either," and she kicks the girl as hard as she can in the in the vagina. Then gets into her car and drives away, and it's never mentioned again. And you're supposed to be rooting for Frances McDormand as she's well, doing this to children? Yeah, but it's also supposed to be like a grounded movie. Like, how am I supposed to take anything seriously in a movie where two children are kicked in the crotches <laughs> by a grown woman and you never hear about it again in a small town? Yeah. And I also think they didn't need to make the, the belding noise when the kid got kicked <laughs> no. in the nuts. Bo- I, and a boy yo yo yoing? I mean, come on. <laughs> But McDormand is great. Rockwell is great. Um, well, they're always great. I've never seen them no. not be great. And Harrelson is great. Yeah. But to go to go into the plot issues with the movie would be to spoil it. But I, I'm excited for you to see it because there are moments in this movie that if they had just been given another minute of thought, you would have had a really great movie on your hand. But they, there are so many moments that stretch credibility and believability that it took me out of it. And I'm a guy who's always, when people gripe about plot holes, like, eh, it's a movie, enjoy it. This one was a bridge too far for me. It's a bridge too far. Well, maybe those moments were in there and it got ruined in editing. You never know. You know, there's so many cooks with these goddamn things and that's why everything gets ruined. Uh, I saw a film. I got the uh, Hammer Film Collection. I was over at uh, Old Fry's Electronics. Okay. They had a Hammer Film DVD collection. It was two DVDs. It's about six movies. Uh, let me get over here. It's the line on the... Now, Damn. you're talking about uh, The Adams Family, right? Starring MC Hammer? Yeah. Well, you know, Pat... The Adams Groove. They do what they want to do and they say, say what, what they, they want to say. say. Uh, Hammer Films collection. This is a very cool collection you can pick up for very cheap... Now, wouldn't this be Joe's scary stuff? Well, I'm going to talk about the movie I watched. Okay. Why don't you get off my back? <laughs> uh, so it's got a bunch of movies on it. Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, Scream of Fear, The Gorgon, Stop Me Before I Kill, exclamation point. I always like one of movie, those old movies of the exclamation yeah. point. Uh, and then Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. I got it for like six. Like Schindler's List. <laughs> six dollars. Um, uh, but anyway, I watched The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll and... Man, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it stars Paul Massey, who I immediately and Christopher Lee, who and and also um, uh, uh, Don Adams. Oh, Adams. Uh, but anyway, I immediately looked Wait, up. What was that? You said Adams Family. Don Adams. Oh, okay. I immediately looked up Paul Massey because I was like, like this what guy the hell? Do, do is a, what Don Adams is amazing, and. You know, aside from some Hammer films and stuff, I couldn't really find much. He keep, he's one of these guys that kind of eventually went into teaching and lived a quiet life teaching until he died, but was uh, but was a really tremendous actor. But he plays Jekyll and Hyde, and he plays it very differently. The, the Jekyll character he plays, like, as disturbed with, like, a beard and, like, creepy looking. Uh-huh. And then when he becomes Hyde, he's very handsome and smooth. Uh, so it's almost like a nutty professor kind of deal, mm-hmm. but it's not funny, obviously. Uh, and he also plays Hyde with this like shitting, eating grin on his face the whole time. So he says these horrible things to people because he's like so violent and he hates people. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I told you to go rotten hell. And he's got like a big smile on his face and it's very creepy. It's like a 70s picture. Uh, 1960. Okay. Really racy for a 1960 picture. I mean, there is a lot of sexual talk in it. Mm-hmm. They do say the words. They say bitch. They say whore. I think they say shit at one point. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty edgy for for a film that old. Um, but anyway, you know, it's Hammer, man. It's 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 classic old Hammer stuff. It's you know, it's English horror. It's a lot of fun. And I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it was released in the states under a different title, though. I think in the states it was called like Jekyll's, Jekyll's. Uh, uh, what's that called when you have uh, all the balls swinging back and forth? Gauntlet. Summer at my place. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, it's called an abacus, I believe. Uh, 
it was it was called like Jekyll's Gauntlet or Jekyll's Mania or some. What shit you're describing is called an abacus. No, the gauntlet they did it in Jackass too when they're swinging the balls oh, back okay. and forth. They run yeah, through gauntlets. Um, anyway, I enjoyed it. It's a nice classic film. All right, for you to check out. I've seen a bunch more, but I, I'll, I'll split them up. I'll, I'll do one last. I'll do I'll do two quick. I saw Call Me by Your Name. What's that? The uh, critically acclaimed picture about a a boy a young boy's homosexual awakening oh that's the one james woods got france what's that that the one james woods got shit for for tweeting about it's got army hammer and right um uh you know it's like a i guess sort of like a love story between these two and it's a little weird the kid's 17 and army hammer's like you know 30 something they have this little like romance well that's weird yeah but I kind of dug the movie. It was uh, it's very slow, but it felt like, you know, like a, a French romance. It just happened to be, a you know, also kind of about child molestation. And uh, <laughs> everyone's just talking about how erotic it is. And I, I'm made a little uncomfortable by that talk. Um, how ironic it is? Erotic. Oh, erotic it yeah. is. I mean, there's... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's cum, you know, there's some stuff. In there's it. cum. I just read that they Jesus had to digitally Christ. remove Army Hammer's nuts from some of the shots of him in shorts because his nuts were hanging out the shorts. It's a it's a very homoerotic picture. Well, look, there's nothing wrong with homoerotic. With child erotic is it's yeah, it's it's weird. all weird. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. It's all weird. Um, but I I like the movie and Michael but- Stuhlbarg from A Serious Man. Uh, is great in it. He has a justly acclaimed monologue at the end of it that uh, might just get him the Oscar. Well, look, and I'll say this, uh, you know, and I said, as I said about the Rocco picture being disturbing. Yeah, I I am a believer that uh, that if it's something presented as art is meant to be presented as art. And it is what it is. And it's meant to spark discussion and and whatever. So I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying these disturbing things exist within those uh, uh, parameters, Um, you know, so, sure. you know, I'm sure both of these, I'm sure that film will eventually be on Netflix as well. Yeah. Uh, what's the other quick one? Uh, Molly's Game, which I don't think is out yet, but it's the new Aaron Sorkin movie that he wrote in his directorial debut. Also, like, wildly critically acclaimed, but it's about Didn't this. did he direct Jobs? No, that was uh, Danny Boyle, the train and spotting film. Sorkin wrote it? Correct. There's nothing I'd want to see less than anything Sorkin wrote. Well, this is wrote and directed, so you I mean, can only imagine. Just... I always sort of admired his writing until I crossed the threshold of being 18. You know, he I think he's kind of an embarrassing writer at this point. And um, this movie, people are all over this movie's nuts. It's about this women, woman who held this top-secret poker game for your Tobey Maguire and DiCaprio and all these people. And wound up getting into some trouble. They got, you know, the IRS and the FBI and all this stuff. And they I'm probably, watching, and I'm sure they don't show any of that. It's just people talking about what that's happened. That's exactly right. It's and fucking so, horrible. So I'm Ugh. like, I'm a, I'm a real poker guy. I love poker. And there's only a movie about poker like every three years. And so I'm always excited. And poker people are always really excited. So me and right. my friends were pumped to watch it. There's no poker in it, A, because Sorkin probably didn't even bother to learn the game. Uh, Michael Sarah kind of plays an amalgam of all the famous people. He's not really given anything to do. Costner plays her dad, Jessica Chastain's dad. He's boring as shit. She's boring. And they're giving all these giant passionate speeches about like how she should be allowed to run an illegal poker game. So what he's what he doesn't understand is when you're doing these giant passionate speeches and the president's doing them and it's about the on the West Wing. Right. The world's going to war and stuff. Then you've got some fantastic television. Right. But then when you try to do it on Studio 60 and everyone's screaming in each other's faces about making a Saturday night live show, it's you start to look kind of fucking stupid. And in this movie to still be doing these big speeches. I don't know, I'm not this angry about the movie, by the way. I am. I haven't even seen it. I'm pissed off. And and to be honest, it was mildly entertaining. But like the the way people are raving about this thing, it's just long speeches about things that are not important, acted kind of squarely and kind of boring. He sucks. It's Jobs, a square, boring movie. Jobs, the movie Jobs with uh, 
Ashton Kutcher Kutch, was yeah. literally better. That's what I heard. Than Steve Jobs. I only saw jo- uh, you got Jobs. Fuck, Steve Jobs. And look, nothing against Ashton Kutcher, but you got to fuck something sideways. That's right. Because Ashton Kutcher's one, that was the one they kind of rushed out, and it was like sort of had a little bit of a made-for-TV movie. But it was like, God damn it. It was entertaining to watch, and I enjoyed watching him flip out and all that shit. Right. That fucking Sorkin one was was just people walking around backstage uh, it was, it before was they... It a bad movie. It's terrible. Yeah. Sorkin's next movie is going to be... a bad play. Yeah. Sorkin's next movie is going to be him looking at camera, explaining to you what the movie's about. Yeah. Just him telling you a story. He just looks like the kind of guy where like you just don't want to be caught talking to him at a bar or something. You know, He looks awful. Um, which is no no reason to judge the man, but it comes across in his writing. It's just like lecturing you endlessly, and it's tiresome. Um. All right. Well, Pat, I'm going to round us out here. Go ahead. And I think you know what I'm going to close us out with. Segment I, I call as of right now, P.S. I love you. Perfect strangers, <laughs> I love you. Just made that up. Well, it's sticking forever. All right. Uh, perfect strangers. I'm still on season six. I'm thoroughly working through season six. Okay. Uh, we're recording these episodes close enough together that I'm not able to get a ton of episodes down in between, but boy, oh boy. Any high points? I will say this. The relationship between Larry and Balky has become so tense. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say this. (laughs) You know, you don't see it, but I Uh believe in my heart. That off camera, yeah. Larry beats Balky. I okay. believe that in my heart because Mark there Lynn are, beats Bronson or Larry beats Balky. No, Larry beats Balky. Okay, because I because there are many many moments where Balky does something and then runs in fear, covering his head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I believe the insinuation is is that Larry is smacking him around. Larry He's hit him once. If if that's happening, yeah. Appleton has become. Just a piece of living shit. I mean, just, 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 you know, I've said before, he's like the worst guy. Right. Just horrible. Just a horrible human being. Okay. Uh, the episode I'm going to, I'm going to choose to highlight too quickly here. One episode was about there, his grandfather visiting. His grandfather's like, I guess, supposed to be like 80 or something. Right. And, uh, and he's like, you know, Balky, we're just going to have a quiet weekend with old pop up or whatever. And he shows up, and Balky's like, you must be Pop-Up Appleton or whatever. And the old guy's like, nope. From now on, it's Buzz. (laughs) Okay. I just came back from a rock and roll cruise, and I've never felt better. Who's portraying Buzz? Uh, I don't know the actor, but he's a real Lloyd Bridges type. Okay. Um, And then then he's like, I got to pump up my Reebok sneakers because I'm going to hit the town tonight. You know, like, so it's this whole thing. He's like got his second lease on life. Right. And then the whole episode is just Larry being like, you have to act like an old person. Stop it. <laughs> That's the whole episode is Larry beating down the grandfather emotionally wow. until the point where the grandfather is walking around in a suit and he just goes, this is the suit I want to be buried in. I'm just going to wear it until I kick out. Like it's, you know, and, and then like, of course, they have to get the guy acting young again. And Larry, if you can believe it, Pat. Learns a little lesson about himself in the end. I'll bet he does. That sticks for, I can imagine, 45 minutes until his next abomination. (laughs) Because every week he learns the lesson, and then every week he just does something terrible again. Has Larry been responsible for anyone's death? Well, no. But he has... I've seen every episode, by the way. I wouldn't remember them all, but I've seen them. Well, do you remember this one? Because this is the one I really want to talk about. Go on. Uh, Larry has a cold... And for the 86th time in the show's history, Balky says, here's what you do to cure a cold, cold on Mepos. Larry again swats him away, you stupid fucking immigrant. Get out of my face. You know, like still doesn't believe him, even though Balky's cured him like 100 times before. Right. Uh, Balky gets this plant in the mail for Larry from Mepos. That has peppers on it, and if you eat a pepper, it cures the cold immediately. Let me guess these these hot spicy peppers. They're not hot and spicy peppers. No. Holy shit! They're just peppers that you eat, and it cures your cold. Because Mepos apparently also has uh, plants that have not been documented by science or anything on them. Right. You know, this this is a magical island at right. this point. Uh, 
Larry still doesn't believe that the thing cured him, then gives the peppers to other people to be like, just tell Balky it didn't cure your cold. It cures their cold immediately. Larry goes, we found the cure for the common cold. We have to keep this plan alive. Balky's like, okay, but you have to respect it. You have to let it grow gradually. You see where this is going. He's got a pitcher of plant food, even though you're only supposed to give it two drops. He, right. for some reason, makes a giant uh, beer hall pitcher okay. of his plant food. And it says, you know, Larry, whatever you do, don't overfeed the plant. Larry then tricks Balky into going to sleep <laughs> so he can then pour all of the food into the plant. Overnight, the plant grows all over the entire apartment. Okay. He then, uh, Jennifer comes down. She's sick. He gives her the- They're living together. No, no. They're still the Joe, you have so many worse episodes of this show. Yeah, I know. I know. When they move into that house together, shit gets bleak. (laughs) Like, we're talking like me me and my sister as little kids, like, yikes. Where's (laughs) the quality control? (laughs) So I'm coming to the point. Gives Jennifer the pepper from the giant plant now. Yeah. We're going to be rich, Balky. Typical stuff. You know how these guys roll. Schemers. Dreamers. What do you think? Schemers. What do you think happens? Take a wild guess. I, I don't know. Do you think the pepper cures her? Or because it was overfed, does it give her a cold? Well, Pat, I'll tell you this. All right. It actually cures her. Okay. Until uh? she grows a mustache. Oh, no. She grows a mustache. Oh, no. And I don't mean like a little extra hair. You thought hair that I would lip. guess that? She walks in. No, of course oh, not. Okay. It's, it's The point is it's terrible. She walks in with a fucking Sam Elliott oh, mustache. No. And says like you better you better uh, you 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 better get to explain him. I fucking forgot. I can't even remember. It's nonsense at this point. That's that's you know, really stupid. It's uh it's pretty bad. It's yeah. pretty bad. And, so uh, just because he overwatered it, now it turns the peppers into mustache growers. And I believe only in women. Only so, in women. Yeah. Undocumented yeah. by science. All right. We've charted the entire globe. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever discovered this plant. Well, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Watch one. Uh, I'll save that one for next week. Oof. All right. Ooh, man, a real bad one. Uh, I got nothing for scary stuff. Hit us. Let's get on to Justice League. And we're 42 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the movie yet. I got one thing for scary stuff. Look, folks, there's a lot of controversy around Star Wars Battlefront 2 with the loot crates and all that stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Uh, I don't. It's a little too much for me to try to explain right now. But look, basically, here's the thing. The game was offering in-game purchases for these things called loot crates. And what you could do is you could buy a loot crate for a certain amount of money, and it would give you items, weapons, whatever, that would allow you to advance more quickly in the game so you could get better at the multiplayer. People had a shit fit. EA, EA just lost something like $2 billion in investors or something because there was so much backlash over this. Uh, Belgium was going after them for legal reasons, saying they were putting illegal gambling in games. I don't understand any of that. Uh, It's just like any other crate service that you do. There's a million of these crate things out there. They got them for clothes. They got them for DVDs. They got them for Blu-rays. They got them for music. They got them for video games. These are services. And... Everybody says, well, it's a way to cheat to get ahead. It's a way to pay to get ahead in the game. Yeah, well, some of us don't have 27 hours straight a day to sit in front of the fucking TV and become experts at Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is mainly a multiplayer online game. Some of us want to just enjoy the goddamn game. So who gives a fuck? Who cares if the guy you're playing against got better because he bought it or got better because he worked for it? It's still the same opponent. Who gives a shit? And it's still the same, you know, your, your experience doesn't change in any way. Exactly. So, so I, 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 look, I, the game is awesome. They took the loot crates out of it, so I have not utilized them. I got it mainly for the campaign because I'm not a big multiplayer online guy. The campaign is awesome. It is finally a, a, a next-generation first-person Star Wars shooter it's fucking awesome. You're on the dark side. It's great. It's a blast. Uh, I'm loving the game. All right. So I highly recommend it. Um, I see you
And now on to the film. Justice League, which uh, Pat, uh, I mean, looked like he was going to do all but spit on me during the uh, <laughs> during the show. I told him I saw it last night as well. I saw it two nights in a row. That blows my mind. Well, I wasn't dying to see it again. I was just right. like, if you want to do it for the pot, I'll see it again. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the the best thing about it was that it was under two hours. I mean, I, that's a in this day and age a true blessing. Yeah, um, I suspect you liked it quite a bit more than I did, but I was very bored by it. I couldn't track really any sort of story at all. Um, I guess there were there was a bug man trying to kill them. I mean, I, I had never seen Wonder Woman, so I, I you know that meant nothing to me. I was. Deeply bored um, throughout, and I thought the dialogue was atrocious, um, embarrassing. I thought the Flash, I've always liked that actor before. I hated the Flash. I i guess, he I don't know if he was autistic or gay or what he was supposed to be, but it was not working for me. Autistic or gay? This is the comparison you go I to. I couldn't tell with the way he was playing it, which I was supposed to think he was. And then that one moment when... Uh, Aquaman comes up with his shirt off and he goes, oh, I was like, I guess that meant he was gay. But then he also got flustered when he talked to Wonder Woman. So I no, he says, well, listen, first of all, folks, Pat's on his phone for half the goddamn thing. Way, I was on my phone way less than you were during during the movie. I saw it already. I knew the plot. I wasn't on my phone much at all. I glanced you, at my email five times. There were bro. a couple times you were on the phone. You missed major plot points. And then you turned to me and you went. Who is this guy? And I was like, yeah, you were on your well, email. I don't care. If you're talking about Cyborg. Yes. Blah, blah. Nine, <laughs> cyborg. Um, have, uh, I didn't. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't perhaps get his introduction, but also I turned to Joe and said, this is the most boring character in the history of film. And I meant it. I like you and said I, that to honestly, me in other movies. I think movies. The, the black community should be upset that that is the repre representation they get in this movie is literally, for my money, the most boring character I've ever seen in a movie in my oh, entire stop life. Stop it, Pat. The guy delivered his lines in a monotone. He's a robot. How what? do you want him to d deliver the you lines? You got to give me something more than that. I mean, that. That that was a pathetic excuse for a character. Uh, I disagree. I've never been a huge cyborg fan. I liked him a lot in this movie. I found him interesting. I don't like that they had him say booyah at the end. I thought they that was folks, absurd. Folks, they have him say booyah at the end. That was absurd. Um, I uh, thought he should have said, uh, this is when like all the, the everything is saved and the world's together and the whole Justice League like unites and they cut to him and he goes, booyah. I think he should have said, whoop. There it is. <laughs> That's what I would have liked. And then they, maybe they play the song until we get to the secret scene, which I did um, not see. I, uh, all right, now let's back up here. This is a sensitive subject for me. I liked the movie. I didn't think it was fantastic. Okay. I liked it. I think Joss Whedon's fingerprints, where they were in this movie, were very obvious. What were some of those lines? Like a couple that I looked at you at. Do you even remember what they were? Well, that fucking news clip where the lady's like, "My, this alien took my fucking man. I'll shove a thing up his fucking ass or why whatever. Did they, why was that in the movie, Joe? I don't, because, because everything's that, I'm going to say something very controversial right now. Everything Zack Snyder in this movie was great. It was all very well done. The, the the you can you can tell the Zack Snyder parts you can tell like the whole opening sequence with Batman was fucking cool and it felt very like Watchmen ish and like it was dark and it was shot cool and it was fun. I thought all of the action was just incredibly weak. I, I like the action. Incredibly weak. I liked watching Steppenwolf beat the shit out of horses and stuff. I thought that was fun. I thought that was like oh well, you hate horses. I always have. Horse killed my father in the war. Yeah. It, is, it was the war horse, actually. The uh, no, but I, I, I just, I think, um, I thought the Zack Snyder stuff was obvious, and then he had to exit the film because his tragically daughter, I think, committed suicide. Yeah, and they brought in Joss Whedon to sort of do patch up work, and then so then that makes the movie disjointed because now there's all this fucking comedy bullshit in it, yeah. and 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 it comes in like halfway through the movie. It's and this it, like. Folks, it's embarrassing. It's, it's a, embarrassing stuff. It's just like very like 
slick sort of dark graphic novel DC vibe kind of thing right. that everybody hates because everything has to be a fucking comedy now. And then all of a sudden there's like slapstick shit. Now, the thing with The Flash is I didn't mind the way The Flash was written and I liked Ezra Miller. I thought he was good uh, because that is how The Flash is a lot of the t- in the comics. The Flash is kind of a smart assy guy and he's kind of awkward. So I liked that they finally did a portrayal of The Flash like that. I liked it. I thought Aquaman stunk. Aquaman uh, at least had a little charisma, I guess. I mean, well, I thought Ezra had charisma. I just thought like, yeah, I guess I just it thought was, the character was annoying. It was getting taken away from him because his lines were bad. His lines weren't great. They were. Uh, but I also think, too, it's this look. It's the symptom of of this of this movie of these movies. The everything now, nothing is amusing anymore because everything Marvel made everything to a fucking comedy. Right. Now, I will say this. And this is all I ask from you, Walsh. This is all I ask from you. Do you think that this movie deserved a 44% from critics and Thor Ragnarok deserved a 93% from critics? Absolutely not. Um, And honestly, I sort of hated them both equally. I I didn't think anyone was particularly any better. Are you really hot or something? I'm very hot. Look, you're having hot flashes. I am having hot flashes. Waving your face. It's very temperate in here i'm also Ooh. dressed as mrs doubtfire <laughs> right now um i want to quickly clarify what i said in case anybody was offended but like what i'm saying is when we first are introduced to the flash he does this whole monologue that might as well be the parsons from the big bang theory where he's like i'm quirky i'm i right and i thought that was him being, I thought he was autistic. I thought the character was autistic. No. And then unless I'm reading too much into this moment, I thought they cut over to him when Aquaman is shirtless and he was like, oh. So I'm not saying that autistic and gay are equatable or I don't, you know, of course, none of that. I'm saying. I think that's that exactly what the you were character saying. was so inconsistent <laughs> that I didn't know what he was supposed to be. I he he was I look maybe he's both I don't fucking know I I but right. my interpretation of that character was cuz he says to Bruce Wayne like I need friends um, people are too slow I can't Yeah. He's he's I think he's like a super genius and he doesn't know how to talk to people and he's awkward so like when he lands when he saves Wonder Woman and he's like laying on top of her right and his like heads on her boob for a second and then he jumps up and he's awkward he's just like oh god sorry 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 you know like right. he just doesn't know how to act um you know look it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic film it was 27,000 times better than suicide squad uh hey i can't argue that but i also did not finish suicide squad so it was know. better i would say it was better than man of steel i still really like batman superman uh, as you all know we won't go down that road in the bait, but um, but, you know, I like Steppenwolf a lot as the villain. I don't see why he had to be CGI. I don't get that. Uh, no. It didn't. There was no need for that. He could have just been there were there were ways because I, all I kept thinking of was Tim Curry and legend. And I was mm-hmm. like, that, that was done without any computer. Right. Well, they didn't have it back then. And I believed that that character was nine feet tall. Right. And real. And I thought they could have done that with Steppenwolf. But instead, they made him computer generated and they made him look less like Steppenwolf looks in the comics, which I didn't understand what the motivation there was. Uh, Like shit. And people really liked Affleck's portrayal of Batman in Batman versus Superman. I thought he was terrible in this. I loved him in this. He's my favorite Batman still. Oh, my God. Well, what? Who who are you putting above Affleck? You're going to say Keaton because that's what everybody always says. I'm putting a million miles above Affleck, Keaton. Stop. And I mean, I might go ahead and put, uh, well, certainly put Bale above him. Uh, I love Bale, but I like. I didn't hate Kilmer. Oh, shut up, Pat. I mean, Clooney sucked. Kilmer. Affleck and his scenes where he's talking to Wonder Woman when they're not in their costumes. I was like. Boy, this guy's been fooling us for a really long time. He is a bad actor, man. I don't. Th- I liked him in in comedies, and then everything else. I'm like, what are you doing? You didn't like him in the 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 town. The town. He can stumble into it, and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, you know, like he's got a, a thin line he can walk. I but- think he's a great Batman. 
He's not good at playing a normal person. I th- I don't think Batman is a normal person. That's why I like him as Batman. I think right. he plays it with a darkness. I like that they hint that he's an alcoholic. I didn't even see him drink in this movie. There's this this the scene where he pours the giant glass of whiskey when he's like making up with Wonder Woman, and it that, didn't look that uh, giant to me. It, <laughs> it, looked it looked delicious for the course. Uh, but they make a remark in Batman Superman like that he's constantly drinking wine. They show a scene where he's waking up with a woman and she's still asleep and he like immediately takes a that. swig of wine. I like the darkness of it. I really like Jeremy Irons as yeah, sure. Alfred. Um, and I th- and I also I'll say this, too. I liked Danny Elfman's callbacks to the John Williams Superman theme. And to his own Batman theme, because I felt like it gave the Warner Brothers universe a little more continuity on film. Mm-hmm. That scene where the bank robbers are going into the or not the bank robbers, but the terrorists are going into the bank in the beginning. And it's playing that like crazy Danny Elfman piano music. It's like yeah. that. I feel like I was watching like a Tim Burton Batman movie again, you know, and it was fun. But it was like it's just. DC's just got to stick to something, man. I, I like they're, they they keep people keep exiting and entering, and then they're going back and they're reshooting and whatever. DC has to tell everybody that's saying their movies suck for being dark to go fuck themselves because their movies are still making money. And now people didn't like this one as much. Peter Travers, that little fucking shit. No worst movie critic in America. I mean, he trashed it for having too many jokes. It's like, you fucking suck every Marvel movie's dick. He is the worst movie critic in America. Yeah, he's... And he writes just to get quoted in trailers. I hate him. Yeah, he sucks. I mean, he's up there with Sandy Kenya for me. Sandy Kenyon's a better film critic than Peter Travers. Sandy Kenyon's Peter Travers will, like, have a review. This is Rolling Stone. Like, it's a big deal. That or used to be a big deal. Now it's a shit magazine. But he's like... For for twenty years now, he's been like, give like, give me a movie. Uh, uh, oh boy! <laughs> the Thanks Departed. for yes ending the Departed. Joe. The Departed. I mean, he he'll he'll say like things like a whiz bang action packed thrill ride, and you're like, Peter, you're supposed to be a serious film critic. He just wants to to put that in the trailer so we can see his name. He's a whore. He's a whore. <laughs> I was a much better film critic when I used to review movies. I really was. I all had right. great reviews. And I, I, I urge you all to Google the Travers Walsh beef of 2006. <laughs> well, there's no. And actually, you won't find any of my reviews because they took the site down, unfortunately. It was heated. Uh, anyway, my final say on uh, Justice League, pretty good. Not amazing. I don't think I'll buy it. Um, but I thought it was still a step in the right direction for the DC Cinematic Universe. Um, and I think it's a shame that their Affleck is now talking about exiting and, you know, and, and people are saying that this wasn't as good as Wonder Woman. And it's I, I mean, there's just so much I feel bad for D.C. I don't know why everybody's fucking hating on him so much. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. I'm sure D.C. will be fine, Joe. Uh, you hope I thought the film was bad and I thought it was boring. And I don't really have much more to say than that. Um. Joe, it's been it's been a lovely evening. I, I like that. I like that we're seeing movies together now. We we didn't used to for a while. Well, you're busy. You're running a TV show, and uh, that's right. I'm uh, staring into the abyss. <laughs> Folks. James Cameron's the abyss. I thought you weren't a fan. Folks, I'm not. But that's my favorite line in How the Grinch Stole Christmas when he's going over his schedule. When Jim Carrey's going over his schedule, and he goes, uh, he goes, one p.m. Stare into the abyss. <laughs> very funny do you like that movie i never saw it i only saw that part and it made me laugh really hard and then i tried to watch it and the second they were like let's show you the backstory of the grinch no it's a very bad movie wanted to spit on the television it's a very bad movie yeah it's better than the cat in the hat though yeah yeah um folks thank you for your time i am on twitter and instagram at the patrick walsh and i think we are actually getting uh, pretty close to when my show will premiere. I think it will be in the early next year. Living Biblically, look for it. Joe. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and read the Penthouse column if you can. I mean, I know you got to pay money to read it. God forbid. <laughs> but uh, you let me down. My op-ed monthly in the Penthouse. And... Um, 
you know, there's some other shit coming along soon somewhere, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, and thank you to, uh, to all the Patreoners. Thank you very much, Patreoners. See you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.